You are now listening to Bigfoot and Beyond, featuring the OG bad boys of Bigfoot, the Dr. Heckle and Mr. Jive of Squatchology, the Chip and Dale of Bigfoot, and I'm not talking about the cartoon. Please welcome your hosts, the Bigfoot celebrity couple, Biff Clubo, better known as Cliff Berrickman and James Bobo Fay. Good afternoon, Bobo. How are you doing today? Excellent. How are you, Cliff? I am doing excellent as well. I'm upstairs at the North American Bigfoot Center, and people are coming in. Apparently, it's tourist season. Um, so, yeah, a lot, a lot of visitors this past week. Been really busy. We're doing that revamp. They're doing the expansion of the museum right now. So, I'm busy making new displays. Should have more than a dozen new displays in the next month and a half or something. So, I have been very, very busy. What have you been up to, Bobes? Anything? Yeah, I was out squatching. Um, didn't have anything definitive happened. My ears were clogged up. I went to these hot springs, these sulfur hot springs, and I was dunking my head under like a minute at a time. I did like 15 minutes. And uh, I clogged my ears up super bad. I couldn't get them unclogged from when I was out there. Then They didn't unclog until I was driving home after like four days or whatever. Did you try like blowing really hard in one of the ears in hopes that it goes out the other? Yeah. I mean, I was plugging my nose and blowing out both ears at once. It would bubble, but it just wouldn't clear. I mean, it would clear for like a couple seconds. I could hear, but um, I did hear a couple things that the other people heard. And uh, they were they're pretty uh, skeptical, skeptical, like high standard of saying like something got their attention. They, no one can say exactly what it was, but there were some interesting interesting sounds. And then um, I was also uh, working on that permitting for that film project I got going, and that of course is that nightmare everyone warned me about. And it is a nightmare to jump through all those hoops because especially with county offices closed, it's about a four or five hour drive for me to get there. And then you get there and the doors are locked and I can see the people inside going, can I please ask you some questions since you won't return my calls and no one would come to the door. (laughs) What's such a kind way to ask too, since you're ignoring me and I'm here, can you please answer some questions? So now we're going to continue ignoring you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I know a little bit about your project and I'm not going to say anything, but man, you have pulled, uh, well, you, you have taken on something huge. So it, it, this may be kind of a struggle, even for you, Bobs. Yeah, we were hoping to get it filmed this year, and it's looking like by the time the permitting goes through, we're looking at next year, realistically. Well, that's the way it goes. Yeah. I, I'm curious to see who you got today lined up, Cliff. Today's guest is someone I wanted to have on for a long time. Um, and virtually nobody who's listening is going to know who this guy is. But after today's episode, everybody is going to love this guy, just like we love this guy. Um, he is an, an accidental Bigfooter, I think is a good way to say it. I'm not even sure he believes Bigfoots are real. But man, he has been on some crazy rides. And I thought he'd be a fun guest to have on to kind of share some wonderful stories and look back on a great part of all of our lives. Um, so everybody listening and you too, Bobes, if you're listening, um, I'd like you to welcome Andy Grandpa Bartlett, the sound man for finding Bigfoot for all of those years. Gramps, how you doing, man? Yay! Yay! The gang's back together. I get probably more emails about him than Renee or Maddie or you, Cliff, is... He was the mysterious figure in the background. I saw a dark figure in the background right behind you guys. You didn't even notice him. I'm like, that was Gramps. <laughs> Those emails. Like, you guys had a Bigfoot behind you. You didn't even see it. Well, that big that Bigfoot was carrying a microphone and like a sound rig. So, yeah, yeah, sure. Those are the telltale signs of a great sound guy is uh, accidentally in the shot 
uh, at the most important moments. So <laughs> you got it rough because we had reverse f- uh, facing cameras and then it was hard for you to be in, in the right spot. Plus it'd be pitch black. You couldn't even see which way we were facing and, yeah, those night investigations must have been something new for you. Because you, well, well, Grandpa, let's let's introduce you first of all to everybody, so everybody kind of knows who we're talking about. Um, of course, you're not my grandfather. I'd like everybody to know that you're not even Bobo's grandfather. You're you're our age essentially. We just call you Gramps for whatever reason. It's a name that came came with you. But um, what are some of the other shows that you've had an opportunity to work on? Just because because you're an industry guy, you're not a Bigfoot guy. You're a TV guy. So what other shows have you worked on that people might have seen? Um, let's see. I did, uh, a few episodes of the expedition unknown. That's a Josh Gates show, right? Correct. I, um, I've done, uh, there was a Kiefer brothers, the Kiefer brother. I can't remember what they call it. Code of the wild. I believe, uh, it was a treasure hunting show, uh, hunting in the heartland. So I've kind of crossed the spectrum for, uh, the, uh, the adventure type, seeking out truth, uh, reality type shows from, yeah, from ghosts, aliens, treasures, and, uh, of course the most important, uh, cryptozoology shows such as Bigfoot. Yeah. The Bigfoot thing. Right. 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 Yeah. Cause you did hundreds, you did hundreds of nights out in the field with those gramps. Yes. Yes. Those were great nights. It, it wasn't your most compelling night, your last night or second to last night with us. That one when we were in West Virginia. That was that was a very compelling evening. I'm not going to lie. That one was that one that one goes at the top of the list of compelling moments. Of which there's only maybe one other. And those five, what was it? Almost five years that we uh, we we traveled the globe looking for our our friend. But uh, yeah, maybe one other. But that Virginia, the Virginia thing was was pretty cool. Was pretty cool. Well, you're a hard nut to crack, man. I mean, honestly, like you're, you're skeptical as I'll get out. He's not too bright. He's a little slow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, uh, how do I, the, the only thing that I've seen that would make me that, that, that no, that does make me think it's possible. Well, that plus anything is possible, but the really, the thing that really got to me was just the, uh, the sincerity of the witnesses, you know, some people of course were complete whack jobs and you're like, okay, whatever. But there was sometimes you're like, wow, this is, this person is dead serious and there's absolutely nothing you could say that's going to make them change their mind. Cause you know, a, a true believer is a true believer, no matter what. And a knower is a knower. Well, I know that uh, I've, uh, during the show, I would talk to you, and one of the, one of the things you really enjoyed doing, especially in town hall meetings and that sort of deal, um, was to try to discern who's telling the truth and who is lying. And then once you figured that out, at least to your own satisfaction, um, you kind of start you start playing the Renee. You know, it's like, well, could it be something else? And and, and there, there had to be a fair number of pretty compelling witnesses over the years. Oh yeah, I mean, I don't want to put a number, maybe fifty fifty, but. I got an up close view because I, uh, you couldn't see it on the show, but, uh, while we were doing the town halls, I would be sitting on the floor with my mic, uh, to get the person who was talking. And, uh, so I, I was right at their feet. So if their hands were shaking a little too much or they were getting sweaty or, you know, those little telltale signs of like, Oh, you know, so I was right there, you know, sometimes they'd fart, which was really great. But, uh, yeah. So, you know, maybe 50-50, sure, maybe. I remember you saying uh, when we were in Louisiana and we were at Uncle Ben's property out there 
below uh, Falk, um, Logging Creek area. When we went to Uncle Ben's, the guy had the female Bigfoot shaking his pig trail. He had a trailer with a bunch of wild hogs trapped in it. Oh, the DuPont family, right? Yep, the DuPonts. I remember that. that was, you said, I remember you'd been on the show for like three years ago. That's the first person I believe 100%. Yeah, that was a pretty good story. But then uh, later that on that same episode, I believe it was you, Bobes, you're like telling a story about how he's a player in the county and everybody was joking. It's just one of his ladies who was mad because there was someone else in the house. So she went out and started shaking the pig trailer. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Danny said. But yeah, that was a good one. That was a, that was a good one. We also got the, well, not we, well, yes, we, someone got the, truck stuck in the mud and i jumped it out of the ditch that was fun we're naming names we're naming names gramps who was it uh i can't remember <laughs> can't remember so when you look back at the finding bigfoot because you were on the show for what five years six years it could yeah somewhere in there yeah like where i, I think i met you in st louis for the first time with right after the illinois episode i think or were you on the illinois episode I think the very first time I came out and wasn't doing sound, I came out as like a a production person in Knoxville. The first time you went to Knoxville, Tennessee. And then you guys did some episodes. And then I came out, I I came out and did sound in, in, yeah, in outside of St. Louis. Yeah, and I remember because uh, that's right because I I had met you before and I was excited to have you back out on the show because I liked you, you know, and and I, I think the first night you were there, if I remember right, and I think you and Boba went out for some beers or something like that, and you came back with with us with like a bloody head, like like you you something happened, and you know never missing an opportunity to sow chaos. Bobo told everybody that you got in a fight with a bunch of girls and they beat the hell out of you. And which wasn't true at all, but it was a great story. <laughs> you had actually just fallen or something and hit your head on the ground, which I'm glad you're okay. But yes, I was. I, I dropped my cell phone, so I had one hand on the door, and I was reaching for the cell phone, but then or something, and then Sterling called, and I re- uh, I reached for my cell phone, and I forgot that my hand was on the door, and I just kind of fell right on my face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and of course, Bobo told Bobo told your boss, "Yeah, he got in a fight with a bunch of girls, and they beat the hell out of him." And and then you know, your boss, uh, uh, Graham, uh, 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 Chad, uh, everybody's boss except for ours, I guess, um, got mad at you and had to have a talk with you. <laughs> he was real. I came in for breakfast, and he's just like, "Oh man, you, I, you, you screwed me over." And I was like, "Oh, uh, that's not." That's not what happened. I just <laughs> I just fell on my stupid face because I'm discombobulated, and, uh, <laughs> and yeah, and that and then I heard the whole story about uh, these girls kicked my butt, which was fun. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just screwing with Hamill because Hamill was all because he was all worried about me. And you. He's all listen. He said the same thing with you and Magic the guy on the show. He's all Bobo. These are some of my best friends, and the reason I've been hesitant to hire him is. I'm worried about you hooking up with these guys and the chaos that'll ensue. And sure enough, I got the first night we come back, grass covered in blood. Like, yeah, you got beat up by a bunch of girls, which you almost did. No. Yeah, you did do those chick that chick with the flat top and the wallet chain, and like she had like tattooed arms and like a cut off she had cut off sleeve 
jean jacket and she's i had to hold her back and you're, and you're just like joking around she was getting all mad that her they're, they're the bouncers they were the bouncers at that bar and Graham said something funny that, that i thought was hilarious they didn't think it was too funny then i had to get gramps out of there when we were fleeing that's when uh when we we're getting in the car fast to avoid because some of their crew is gathering up and that's when we were getting in the car quickly and gramps phone rang at the same time and next you know he hit his head so in a way, Grandpa saved you, Bobo, from getting your ass kicked by a bunch of women. They, they were after him. <laughs> I remember it thoroughly differently, but that's okay. <laughs> well, reality is subjective, I suppose. That was one of that was just one of the many exciting times we had. You know, I never went to the hospital. There was other members of the crew who made their way to the hospital for stitches. Yeah. Hey, Gross, did you go to Australia with us? I didn't. That was you. Right, I joined up right after you guys got back from Indonesia, actually. But you did have a chance to go abroad with us. Yeah, we did the we did Brazil, England, Scotland, Vietnam. Good times. Yeah, we didn't have anything happen those those ones. Did you go to Brazil too? Right. Yeah, Mapanguare. Yeah. What was your thoughts on that? You heard the witnesses talking. What did you think? Did you think there was something down there? Uh, I liked the one, I don't remember who said it. One of the scientists talked about how, uh, it was probably the skull of an elephant that had somehow been brought over. But the skull of an elephant? Talk about a giant ground sloth? Giant ground sloth? Yeah. Oh yeah. The Dr. David Oren was talking about it. He thinks the Mapinguadis are just, uh, extant, um, ground sloths of some sort. Yeah. The, you know, the, the, what was it? The big mouth in the belly that just... Oh, that was all BS. That's all weird. That's all folkloric stuff. We talked to the other guys that described just a plain old Bigfoot, though, like just a smaller version. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. About half the reports we got could be ground sloths, like things with giant claws and pointy teeth and stuff. And But the other half were basically Sasquatches, as far as I could tell. You know, They described them as monkeys without a tail walking on two legs. Well, there you go. Monkeys walking on two legs. I can see that, but there's a lot of monkeys out there. Yeah, but monkeys have tails. That's true. Without a tail, that's an ape of some sort, you know? And there are no apes recognized that live in South America. That we know of. Exactly, which is why we were there. Yeah. The natives do know, just the white guys are usually a little slow in the uptake when they come to these areas. Actually, the best part about Brazil was watching moneymakers swim in piranha and crocodile or alligator-infested waters or whatever. Meanwhile, the drone guy kept buzzing him with the drone as he's trying to swat the drone away and go for a swim in a muddy river. And I thought for sure I was going to watch his head just go bloop under the water, and that was it. Gone forever. Dude, that was that was amazing. There was four-foot meter caimans, black caimans, 14, four meters, so that's, you know, like, what, 15 foot or something. Giant crocogators, man, floating around in the, yeah, insane. And Jeremy kept buzzing him with the drone, right over his head. <laughs> Where's that footage? I don't know. <laughs> he had a whole school of piranhas, like, nibbling at him. He's all, he's all, if you just imitate a large bloated corpse, they'll think that you're, that's the old cartoons that piranhas strip you to the bone. He's all, they're just little fish, you know, and they're, they're like, well, the, the other guys are saying, the locals are like, uh, you don't want to play with them, Matt. You know, and then there was huge anacondas around them. They said the ana- they, they said the anacondas would go for you. They, they were more scared of anacondas than caimans. The locals, yeah, but it was is unanimous that he should not have been swimming around, thrashing about in the water. Though, like, <laughs> yeah, all the locals were like pointing at him and going, "What is that guy doing?" <laughs> He's like, "Listen, just act like a bloated carcass, okay?" 
<laughs> I think like I couldn't do that. <laughs> and then he had to borrow my toothpaste because he had spent all his duffel bag space on his flippers. Yeah, I brought a, a wetsuit and flippers, but didn't bother bringing toothpaste. You know, <laughs> he brought flippers and a mask and a wet like a, a shorty john to Nepal. Wow, not a lot of places to swim there. Remember, he brought fifteen bags, and they're like, and Chad's like, what? The? And Chad's looking through his bags. He had one duffel bag full of smaller duffel bags. Yeah, he had one bag full of bags. <laughs> so it was to mail his laundry home. Yeah, it was. It was like meta packing. That is funny. <laughs> Brazil was a spot where, though, I'd like to. This has been kind of on my mind because a certain member of the cast has been telling the story like it happened to them when actually it happened to me, and it was when we were shooting at night. And I was sitting there on my little foldable stool like I like to go hiking with because I use it as cane. And we do the scene and then we move the shot. And one of the local guys points to a leaf with a little snake on it. And it was a Florida launch snake. And it was literally maybe two feet from my head the whole time we were shooting that. And, uh, and someone else keeps telling the story like the deadly snake was right next to them. But it was actually right next to me. And... If I'm not mistaken, I believe that's the only night when the sound guy got to call, uh, cut for the night, we're done, time to go home. <laughs> yeah, you've had enough. There's deadly snakes next to my head. It's time to go back. No, there was there was a couple snakes. There was two Florida lamps, because Moneymaker had his encounter with one, too, remember? That was, it, was the same, it was the same snake, because after he realized it could have bitten me in the neck, uh, he started to poke it with a stick. Right, right. right. <laughs> like all good junior high boys would, right? <laughs> yeah, I actually, I actually did the same thing in China. We were at that uh, museum there in the new national park, where they had the footprint footprint cast of the Yaren. I went outside and um, I sat on that little uh, stone wall. I had my had my hand down, and I was I was within three feet of a deadly black snake, whatever that one was. It, it didn't move or anything; it just it was laying there. But like, oh, that one's a that one's a killer for sure. Did you go to China with us, Gramps? Yeah, China was cool. They've got the whole uh, the whole government funded Bigfoot research year end research center, right? That was that was with the 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 topographical topographical map of the whole mountain range right there in the museum. That was pretty cool. Oh, relief map. Yeah, the relief. Sorry, that was it. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was awesome. Like wherever a sighting happened, they have they 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 doctor up these rocks that tell the story of the witness at the actual site that it happened. You know, one day that's going to happen. And like we'll see that in Yosemite Valley someday, for sure. Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. So, Grant, she said that that last episode we were in. Uh, West Virginia, when Billy and I got growled at, and those gravel was thrown up out of the creek and all that, there was that. And then what was the other night you said that you were pretty convinced that had to be real? Um, it was in, we weren't on the Olympic coast. We were, we weren't, well, we, I guess we were, was, we were in the Olympic Peninsula, uh, but we weren't on the west side. I think we were on the northern side of the peninsula. Yeah, we're about Derek's, opera, yeah, the Olympic, Olympic Project headquarters. And uh, I don't remember who else was in the, the, the group. I know Renee was there because I was walking along and I've, I'm listening to everything and I kind of heard a, a whoop. And then Renee says, hey, guys, I think I heard a whoop, but nobody answered. Nobody said anything. 
And I just figured someone was either it was a, a whoop. Or I, I didn't know, but it's not my place to say, you know what I mean? I'm just there to keep quiet. So we kept on and uh, that was really interesting. However, shortly thereafter, we did have to run and duck into the tall weeds because someone had kicked on their generator and was shining a spotlight across the meadow we were at. Yeah, yeah I was with you guys. Yeah, okay. Oh, that's right, because Matt and I were up in British Columbia. Yeah, so we were doing, we were, yeah, there was the, uh, what was that guy's name? He was like the tribal sheriff. We we went, did a scene in their driveway, and then that night was, that was, uh, so that was that. There was another one in in Maine, when we went to the state park in Maine. Oh, yeah, that was cool. Well, that, the guy's house, the Turner, Maine, right? Uh, yeah, we were up in that freezing parking lot. And I remember seeing someone walking through the parking lot, not part of our crew. And I kept saying, who is that over there? Who is that over there? And no one, you know, so I just kept on my way. And then at the end of the night, I think, Cliff, I was with you that night. We got to the very end. And you know how I always like to go ahead a few yards. And there was, there was you know, the moonlight through the trees with the, the oh, it's so pretty. And then there was a shadow that moved. But then uh, I remember the guy in the parking lot, and then I remember, and then later on we heard a story about someone who had been posing as Bigfoot in that state park where we were, or someone just creeping around that parking lot in that area in that state park in Maine. And I, uh, that was shortly after we left Maine, so I kind of chalked that one up. But the, the West Virginia one was great because I was up a few yards ahead of everybody, we were kind of down for a minute because there was something with a GoPro or something. And uh, I had just put my, like my field mic, if you will, uh, down on my bag. And then we heard some sort of growling coming from off in the distance. And uh, that was pretty good. That one, that, that one was pretty good. It wasn't that distant. Well, then gravel got thrown up out of the creek into the bushes next to us. And also... No one, nobody knew we were going there. We went there last minute. No one knew we were going to be there. So that was pretty, that was, I thought that was a great one. So that one's kind of stuck with me, but you know, as far, I mean, do you want to know, like, where do I stand on are Bigfoot's real or not? I'm not afraid. Sure. What is your stance on Bigfoot's being real? You know, I mean, I hope they are. I'm not going to say they are. Anything's possible, but if they are, I hope we never find proof because what happens after you, you you find proof of first off you have to drag one's dead body back to science right and then um after that what did santa claus falls out of the sky and loch ness monster washes up on shore and the easter bunny gets run over you know trying to deliver eggs hey, hey, hey let's let's not mix these things up well, i'm just saying it takes some of the mystery out of the world and i, I prefer the mystery i prefer the uh searching for the unknown as opposed to like oh okay yep they're real then what? Then, then what are you going to do? Same old stuff, man. I'm not so sure I would do anything different. Nothing? I don't know. I don't think. I mean, I would like to see a couple documentaries on them. I mean, I guess I would, that's different. Um, some good documentaries besides Seth Breedlove's stuff. But uh, it's like, what else? I would still go out in the woods and, you know, see if I can see one for myself and still go out in the woods and try to cast prints. And I'm not sure my life would change dramatically if they were, you know, recognized by everybody or not. Oh, okay. Yeah, cause I don't. Do, I mean, I already know they're real. It's not like a what is that? You know, Northern Exposure when Maddie and what's his name finally hooked up, and then the show was over. 
No, nothing like that. Nothing like that. Yeah, stupid. I mean, people say, you guys never found Bigfoot because if you did the show, I said, yeah, jackass. Just like just like Shark Week's a total flop because they have all this new footage of sharks every year. You know, it's like, what if you had, what if a Shark Week consisted basically of a 60 second clip of a great white shark, which was, you know, the Pashagoon film equivalent? If you had one really clear footage, one minute footage of a, of a Bigfoot, that's the only really clear one that's, that's the public sees. I mean, if we had more footage of Bigfoot, our show would be way more popular. It wouldn't go away. Yeah, I'm, I just, I'm just curious as to what the effect would be on the Bigfoot um, community if uh, it was proven, if you actually, someone was able to catch one and chop it up and, and see what's going on. What, what, what effect do you think that would have on the whole community? Like, would some people be like, oh, well, now I'm moving on to the next thing or, you know, my, my, my life is over. I can't believe it. Well, I, I think it depends. Yeah. Very few people feel, I, I think very, very few people involved in Bigfoot want it to go unsolved. I, I want it to go unsolved. I'd like it to go unsolved. But why would disagree? I think a fair number of people, not very, very few, but a sizable number don't really want it to be solved because number one, everybody realizes that's, that, that means a dead one. And, a lot of, and most people don't want that to happen, right? Um, so they're willing to sacrifice their knowing this is real or know, you know, the academics knowing it's real for the, that one, keeping that one alive, you know? So I think that's part of it. I also think that a lot of people do enjoy the mystery. I, I do wonder, just like you, Gramps, that uh, if it was solved today, how many people would move on to a different field, you know, a, a different field of unknown. Personally, for me, it, it, I, I, I know they're, I already know they're real. It's not going to change my life at all. I mean, it, except I get to learn more about them as scientists get to learn more about them. I would have to kind of wonder, though, because uh, a lot of the Bigfoot community, it seems to me, have kind of adopted Bigfoot as a religion or something like that. Um, the, the unknown aspect of this thing as, as like a religious fervor. Uh, and and I, 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 I would be not concerned, but curious about what what they would go through, you know. Uh, you know, if you find, you find the subject of their religion, it's like, oh, it's just a flesh and blood thing. Well, what was I thinking? What would moneymaker say? I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> As everyone knows, everyone that's been around Matt has a moneymaker impersonation, and I knew it since he's the most popular one. As I expected. <laughs> you know, we've had we've had a moneymaker on the show too, Gramps. I don't. You might uh, get a kick out of listening to that one. Oh yeah, yeah, of course, moneymaker. What was where were we? I I wasn't with you guys that one night. I was off and it was a night investigation. We had people stashed on some volunteers stashed every few, every hundred yards. And I came back and you guys were losing, you guys were losing it because he was just out of control on the walkie talkie. And I just, you guys couldn't stop laughing. And I kept, what, what's going on? And you just wouldn't stop laughing because it was too funny. Oh yeah. That was Iowa. He was berating. He was berating that guy. This poor guy got up on his chair, and it was the most abuse moneymaker ever heaped on anyone that I ever saw personally. 
But you know what was so great about it? Like, like we we know like Matt is, is he's a really good big footer, but he does take himself really seriously, and he gets so swept up with what's going on. And just a little bit of context for that night, Matt saw something very large on a therm. I remember he described it the size of a Volkswagen or something like that. He was confident that he saw something very very bright, and then that poor guy shined that red light, and we found it was him. And um, but but Matt he saw the he saw the thing on the therm that was large, and screw the cameras. Screw the sound guy. Screw the TV show that we're making right now. He just took off after it, and 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 he was going and like look the the Go GoPro camera on the backpack was on him, but we don't have any audio for it because he got out of range of view. So he's just going after this thing, you know, to hell with everything else that's going on. He was going to go get this thing, you know, and 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 we none, none of it made it to the episode. I was with him. He goes. Well, moneymaker, we you dude, because I was running too, because I was I was running after, but I was trying to wait for the camera guy because they can't run with that camera and something like we can when we don't have anything, you know. And, well, yeah, and if it's not filmed, nobody else gets to see it. You got to wait for the you got to wait for these people. It was it was a repeat of North Carolina, except for this time he didn't scare away a Bigfoot. He scared the <laughs> shit out of one of his BFRO members that was volunteering for us out there. He laid into that guy so hard. I was like, "Geez, Matt, take it easy." He's like, "You imbecile!" Like, out like just losing it because the guy it was, it was funny because it's funny how Matt gets frustrated by people because he's he's like a really smart guy like you know he's very bright and so he was trying to figure out if we because we're him and I are both looking through flares at this thing going dude that's on two legs and we're trying to determine is it one of the volunteers or not and they were relaying the uh they're on different channels so these guys are getting relayed messages that it wasn't quite clear what was what was supposed to be happening and and that's all. Sit down. If you are not, if you are part of the team, sit down. And then the thing didn't sit down. Then it started walking around again. And then, and then we saw a little bit of red glow light. And Matt thought it was eyes shine. He's all, it's reflecting red. I'm like, I think that's a headlamp, dude. And he's like, it's a squash. He just starts charging over there. And then, then when he found out it wasn't a squash, like he really, we thought we had one on film because the guy never sat down. And he kept moving around. We're like, if, and then he went behind the bush. He went into the bushes. And, uh, oh God, that was just, oh God, the behind the scenes, if we, if we could have filmed, if we would have had a filming crew, if we would have had a film crew filming our show, like our show being filmed, like it would have been, that would have been the number one show on television. Yeah. Well, Matt is enthusiastic to say the least. And, you know, people love, people love hearing the behind the scenes things. Cause you were basically Renee's best friend on the show. I'd say Grant. Was I? Yeah. I was everybody's best friend. That's, that's the beauty of being the sound guy. We all depend on you. And you know, on the sound, the sound man, I will say this is is the unsung hero of every television show, because it's the one thing that nobody notices is the sound. And if anybody does notice the sound, that means the sound guy's not doing a good job. Oh yeah, they only notice it if it goes wrong. But you know, that's that's okay. You know, no one ever says, "Hey, I heard a great movie the other day." <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, well, now, because we filmed in such a, a variety of circumstances and humidity levels and temperatures and, you know, third world countries and off the grid and in the dark and just go down the list, like every dip, rain and snow and everything that could be thrown at you was thrown at you. Um, what are the, some of the challenges, technologically speaking, of dealing with a show like Finding Bigfoot and trying to make everybody sound good? You know, you just start at the, your checklist, you know, make sure your gear's clean and 
functioning and your batteries are charged and make sure your mic placement is proper. You know, I always had to switch your guys's mic up from time to time because sometimes it takes a few, a few mic ups to find that sweet spot, but then you, you get in and then you just, uh, uh, just, you know, try stay warm and dry and keep the equipment, uh, uh dry because, even in the cold, when you got the big poncho on and stuff, it, the batteries, it gen- generates a little bit of heat. So you kind of stay warm under the poncho. Uh, in the rain, you know, you got the poncho. Um, but I guess the biggest, I mean, technically, keeping the gear dry and clean is is, is it. But um, as far as physically, uh, some of those hikes we did were just brutal because, you know, I can't see my feet when I'm walking. No, and you're wearing earphones too, so you, that kind of deadens some of your senses as well. Wearing the earphones, and then um, you know, I'm walking in the rain and the mud and up those. We did some really good, uh, some really good climbing and hiking with the rig on. How much is that rig weigh? Your, your sound rig? Twenty, twenty-five, depending on the batteries. Which doesn't sound like much, but you're putting it on your front. It's not like a backpack. It's pulling you over. I would fill the backpack up with waters and batteries just to balance it out. <laughs> Wasn't exactly the best way to go hiking through the woods at night, but you know it worked. It was great. It was a lot of fun. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade any of those nights, even the the most freezing and miserable ones, like in Kansas or, uh, you know, yeah, Kansas was the coldest I've ever been. Yeah, that was a lousy, a lousy night out in the woods. Now, something that a lot of people don't realize that, uh, is that you know when even when the camera's not on us, you're hearing everything we say. Because you have the earphones on, and we're still mic'd, and if the power is on, you're hearing all the dumb crap that we're saying about whatever we're thinking at the time. Or if we're taking a leak or something, you hear that too. You get nice and close and intimate with all the cast members, whether we want it to be that way or not. Certainly, you heard some crazy stuff that uh, probably isn't appropriate to share, but can you think of anything that is? Oh, you mean like every time Bobo took a dump in the woods? Yeah. Yep, that kind of stuff. (laughs) Exactly. I'd keep the mic out just for his pleasure. <laughs> I just took a giant rich. <laughs> Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. It was just a great it was just a great gig all the way around. You know, it was like a traveling family. You could bring a lot of stuff because we had the U-Haul that met us in, in, in every place. So, you know, there, there for a while I had a crock pot that I would take to the hotel room and have dinner ready when I got back or what, someone brought a bike once. I brought a banjo. I brought my banjo once. So this, and this, this is, it was, yeah, we just did, you know, when you work hard, you play hard. So we had a lot of good times. And when I, when I think of the crew, like, cause like you said, people have heard us say this a million times. Like we were like a big traveling family, dysfunctional family on the road. But when I think of the, when I think of the crew, it's always days off, <laughs> like all the stuff we did on the day off. Those were important. Oh my gosh! Yeah, because like, you know, for people listening, we work six days a week. You know what? I would say eight to eighteen hours a day, usually on average. Sometimes less, but sometimes more. We've worked twenty two, twenty three hour days before. Um, and that one day off a week, man, like uh, you, you usually spent doing laundry and trying to find a beer and just letting off some steam, for God's sake. Because uh, it's a very intensive, crazy way to make a living. It's it's not for old men like us. We'd search out bowling alleys. Yeah, just anything. Just to have a little bit of fun where we didn't have to be somewhere and have a few beers and just relax. 
So over the years of being on Finding Bigfoot, we had a lot of great adventures and stuff, but there's some real characters that showed up too, on and off screen. Like uh, off the top of your head, do any stand out to you? Yeah, the guy that kept tickling you in Idaho. Oh, that was totally weird, right? (laughs) He kept going, hey, look at this guy, and he would tickle your belly. I totally forgot about that guy. Probably shoved it out of my head for obvious reasons. Yeah, that, that, that was very peculiar, like a grown man tickling me. Yes. I'm not sure I approve, you know? <laughs> that was funny. But yeah, he kept tickling you. That was great. Very peculiar. A little awkward. You know, there's lots of, I mean, they all blend together, unfortunately. I can't really. How about the guy who had the strange wooden mansion out in the woods? Oh, future Bobo. Yeah. Future Bobo. With the, yeah, he had the yellow Corvette or something. Yeah, future Popo. And then and then post they made his face turn into Bobo's and for the final episode. <laughs> Did you ever watch that, uh, that that you ever see the final product, Grandpa, or you just like film it and leave it? Actually on that one I was in the office picking up something and Derek showed me the first cut of just that scene where Bobo's face morphs into the feature Bobo's face. (laughs) (laughs) But I never saw the final episode, but that was really funny. We laughed good and hard. They're like, are you okay with this? I'm like, hell yeah, that's awesome. That guy was, I'd love to be that guy when I got his age. I like how they ran things pat. Like, are you guys okay with this? Because they knew that we'd throw a fit and like be babies about it. (laughs) Well, I I didn't mind. I I didn't mind looking bad usually. So it's like, no, it's what we're there for. You know, at the beginning of the uh, show, I had this erroneous idea that Bigfoot was the star of the show. Um, And it's not to say that we're the star, but after talking to so many people for so many years, I realized that they weren't watching the show to see a Sasquatch. They were watching the show to see these four weirdos look for a Bigfoot, you know? Yeah, that's 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 the whole show. Is that's why you're searching after something you probably won't find. I suppose that's why. It's the mystery. It's the mystery, like we were talking about earlier. Some people want that mystery, but if until they fill up that, you know, why is that that Oak Island show still on? They're still digging that giant hole in the middle of the mud. You know why? Because who knows? Well, those guys do find. I mean, I gotta say. For how futile a lot of those attempts seem, they're much more successful at finding hidden treasure than we are at finding footage of Bigfoot. It's on TV, though. It's hard to say what's real and what's not, you know, unless you're well, actually there. A lot of people there. watched our show as a travel show. I mean, a lot of people I talked to said, you guys were one of the best travel shows on TV. And I'm like, well, I guess, yeah, we, weren't started, we didn't start out to be that, but that's, I guess we kind of ended up like that. Yeah, you know, there was, a, there, was a, there was a code of honor on Bigfoot. Like, we never... We never faked anything. I've been on some shows where maybe a little bit of evidence may be planted or something might be fudged here and there. But on Bigfoot, it was it was like a steadfast, like, absolutely not. Do not go around making noises. We're not faking it. This is all for real. So I always like that part, that aspect. Because, you know, once you start faking it, then what's the point? Well, apparently there is a point because a lot of those shows are rewarded with more shows and spinoffs and... Yeah, that's true. <laughs> there, there is that. It's one thing to like hear a sound in the woods and say, "Well, that could have been, you know, the uh, branch breaking, or that could have been a coy wolf, or that could have had some other explanation." But when it comes to the sightings, um, like especially, we, we, I think we interviewed more than our fair share of witnesses that um, are either mistaken, lying, or they saw a Sasquatch. I don't know if there's any other possibility. 
Um, and some of these, I don't think they could be could have been mistaken because I saw it in the middle of the day at close range. So either lying or telling or, or telling the truth, and I saw a Sasquatch. Um, but like when when the guy or a family, I, I'm thinking of of, of uh, Tennessee, that family that saw a Sasquatch in plain day walk in front of their car at 20, 30 feet away um, out by Dollywood, um, and they had amazing. They, they I think there were four or five of the people in the car, and they all had the same stories. Are they all lying? Um, or is it just the, the Renee explanation of like, I don't know what it is that you saw and I can't believe until I see it for myself. Well, let me think about that. That's a good question. It's more like, um, they know what they saw. Yes. Are they mistaken? Are they lying? I don't know. They didn't seem like liars to me. I now remember who you're talking about in the minivan. Yeah. Very compelling family. Right. And they all saw a different part of the animal as it walked. Yeah. You know, that was a good story. Uh, is it going to sway me to be a to say yes? Absolutely, they exist. Unfortunately, not. But it definitely goes under the under the. I, I file it away as 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 again as like the the sincerity of the people who tell their stories is is basically the most evidence I've ever seen. Yeah, so you're not swayed, but you're not, and you're not saying that they don't exist either. Was that the case when you first came on the show? You just like, oh, this is another like hogwash show that I'm going to do, and whatever else. Um, or, or did you kind of come on with with an equally open mind that you walked away with? I'd say it's equally open mind. You know, I grew up on that. What was it? In search of with Leonard Nimoy, and and all that, and and in this, I grew up in the Santa Cruz Mountains. You know. Uh, you know, Bigfoot, the abominable snowman when you were a kid, you know. So, uh, you know, it wasn't on my radar when I joined the show. Bigfoot wasn't like something I th- ever really thought about. But uh, it quickly became, I quickly, it quickly became all encompassing in my life. And I became sort of a, what was it? An, a reluctant Bigfoot expert. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's the curse of Bigfoot that you hear about. You know, people say, oh, if you see one of these things, it's a, it's a curse. Well, because you can't let it go or it just engulfs your life, you know? Yeah, you know, I mean, now, like, I'm going camping next weekend in the lower Sequoia out there by a Trail of a Hundred Giants, if you will. And, um, you know, I've already, I went and I pulled out my uh, Dr. Jeff Meldrum field manual and it's pat, it's ready to go because there's going to be kids on the trip. So, you know, it's something fun. But, you know, that's whenever I go out anywhere now, in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, this place is pretty squatchy. Because, <laughs> yeah, you, you, I mean, for all the people that would die, you know, like all these Bigfooters that are listening to us right now that would have died to have been on the show, you know, go to all these squatchy places. You actually did. I mean, you you know what we're looking for. You know exactly. You are you're a real squatcher. I mean, you know what to do. You know where to go. You know what to look for, listen for. Yeah, you've probably spent more nights in the woods than a lot of self-professed researchers have. Probably, you know, with you guys, yeah, and um, you know, and when and while we were out there, I was, you know, I was about business. I was like, yeah, if we're gonna do this, let's do this. Let's, you know, everyone shush. Let me turn on my mic. Let's listen. Every, you know. Bobs, <laughs> quit talking. Or <laughs> whoa, <laughs> me is moneymaker. <laughs> Take that back, Raps. You know, someone would be pacing around in the dead leaves. It's like, just stop, stop. That wasn't me. That was moneymaker. No, it was. Oh, it was probably Chad. Actually, he paced a lot. Oh, who is your favorite member of the cast, Gramps? Oh, that's fair. That's what a fair question to ask with two of us here and two of us not. Um, my favorite member of the cast. 
my favorite member of the cats to watch from afar as an observer is definitely Matt Moneymaker. Oh yeah. I think that's unanimous. His just, just, just watching him operate when he's, uh, when he's got his blood pumping is something to behold because it's, just been, <laughs> it's fantastic. And, you know, and, and you got to change the mic every five minutes because he just sweats through the thing and you have to. <laughs> he's a force to be reckoned with. He is. I know Cliff was, of course, Cliff was the easiest to work with for sure. Well, whenever it was Cliff's turn to do interviews, you're like, oh, thank God this is going to be quick. <laughs> I was quicker than Cliff. <laughs> nah. <laughs> Not really. What was my most common thing I said? Uh. Uh. <laughs> Grind it. Are you doing a Bobo impersonation? I can't do a Bobo impersonation. You're one of a kind. <laughs> well, Gramps, man, thanks so much for coming on Bigfoot and Beyond with us. Because, you know, I don't know if everybody else likes to hear it, but I love reliving those years of our lives. And you became one of my best friends over those years. And it's just nice to hang out with you because I miss you guys. Uh, you know, we used to spend six days a week working with one another than one day recreating. And now all these people in my life are just gone, essentially, you know, and I've got a good life. Don't get me wrong, but I sure miss some of my friends. So thanks so much for coming back on and just hanging out with me and the Bobes again. Yeah, this was great. It was, uh, it's been a long time since I've relived any of those good old days. And, uh, you know, uh, just to, just to hear, just to hear the Bobes, you know, chuckle and laugh in the background really fills my heart with joy. <laughs> I have nothing left to say to this guy. <laughs> I can never knock any sense into his head. I, don't, I just don't understand how someone of your, well, I mean, you did go to Washington state. You're a kook. So I, let's go kooks. That's just kind of like a giant community college for Eastern Washington. But anyways, Oh, making friends, Bubs. Yeah. Drop in listenership. Thanks, man. Half the crew went to Washington state. They came out of it still not 100% convinced Bigfoot's real. So I'm, I, I'm led to think that, that school's full of idiots. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I cannot contradict that statement. Well, I haven't been there in a long time. No, Washington State. You know, Bobes, that's the beautiful thing about, about our relationship is that even though I drive you absolutely crazy with the fact that I'm not going to say, yes, Bobo, Bigfoot's are real. You still call me up and ask me to be on your podcast. An act of a desperate man. <laughs> it was Cliff, not me. It was me. I'm going to take credit for this one. It was great having <laughs> you on, man. You too, guys. <laughs> it was awesome to talk to you again. I'll see you when I get down there sometime and hopefully we work on something coming up here in the future. I mean, they keep saying how great the Finding Bigfoot specials doing on the streaming and the rerun, the older episodes are doing great. So, we should be getting back out there at some point. So we'll get perhaps back in the saddle and hopefully we can learn them better this time. Sounds good to me. You know, I'm always game to go squatching. All right. On. Yes. So, uh, all right, guys, I'll talk to you later. Drive fast. Take chances. All right, later, you, later. Well, that was fun, Bubs. Yeah, I, I loved it, but it made me look too bad. <laughs> Well, still having grandpa on was great. And I, I think it was a great guest because he was there with us for the ride. He doesn't even really think Sasquatches are real, although he is open to it. I, I've, I've talked to Gramps several times through the years and well, no, Bigfoots aren't real. No, that guy was like, oh, that was really interesting. That, that witness is compelling. Kind of wavering back and forth and I think an averaging out middle ground of being open-minded about it is not a bad outcome. But he always dove back into the darkness of ignorance. Well, that's why we're here, Bubba. We are the shining light, the beacon on the hill for the moths to flock to, to the truth. 
<laughs> I like it. That's why we're here at Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. I got to write that down, put it on my business card or something. Beacon of the truth. <laughs> Light up on the hill. <laughs> Well, you know, when our Squatchketeers are out there, they're listening. They're coming back every single week. They're enjoying this kind of thing. You know, they're, they're liking the, the song we're singing, so we're very appreciative of that. All right, Bobes, why don't you bring us home, man? All right, folks. Thanks for putting up with Gramps and his ignorance today. We appreciate it. And Bobes, where can they send you hate mail for bagging on their school? Oh, Cliff Berkman at NABC.com. <laughs> okay, thanks. Well, yeah, if you want to send hate mail to Bobo at the North American Bigfoot Center at Gmail, I'll be sure he gets it. <laughs> no, I love the Cougs, but it just was frustrating that, I mean, literally over half the crew is from Washington State University, and they were just thick. They, they wouldn't come out and just say, yeah, man, this is awesome. These things are real. I can't believe there's always, I think they wanted to keep their professional reputations intact for future work. And again, all hate mail can be sent to the North American Bigfoot Center, and I'll be sure Bobo gets it. Thank you, Cliff. All right, folks, (laughs) send that hate mail in. And uh, until next week, keep it squatchy. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Bigfoot and Beyond. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes. Subscribe to Bigfoot and Beyond wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Bigfoot and Beyond Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Bigfoot and Beyond, that's an N in the middle, and tweet us your thoughts and questions with the hashtag Bigfoot and Beyond. 